You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's a member of our team with this week's message. We have been in this series on motivational gifts. A couple weeks back when we started, Brent shared on the gift of mercy. And then Pastor Kurt came and shared on the gift of teaching. And last week, Pastor Rick shared on the gift of prophecy. And so this week, we're going to jump into the gift of giving. Now, before anyone checks out or starts to groan or wants to get up and leave, today we're going to talk about the gift of giving. And first, I really want us to get this idea that we are all called to be givers, and it is truly a gift. So we all know that it's really easy for someone to tell us how to make money, right? Just a show of hands, this year, how many of us have watched a video, watched a TikTok, listened to a podcast, read a book on how to make money, how to budget, how to grow our finances, how to increase in, in what we earn? So there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, acceptance when it comes to talking about making money, but when it comes to giving, it's almost like especially in church church culture, it's like we get hesitant, right? We don't really want people to tell us what to do with our money. And we, we back off and we don't want to step on anybody's toes. But today, I want us to get this idea that giving is not something that a mean God makes us do. It's something that a loving Father invites us to do, that it's a gift. What does the word say? It is better to than to receive, right? So it is this gift. It's so much better to give. And I think the easiest way I can explain this, I think about when I was a kid, and my dad, he's one of the hardest working people that I know, that I've ever met. My dad worked in, he has my whole life worked in construction, so he runs a paint crew, so he goes out, has an extremely hard day, works so hard, and I remember being a little girl and seeing my dad come home totally exhausted. And a lot of you know if you manage people, if you're the boss, if you lead a team, you know that when the team goes home, your job is not over for the day, right? There's still stuff you have to do. And so, so many times I remember being a kid and my dad coming home and his team, he's paid them, they've gone, they're going to relax and watch TV and hang out with their family. And my dad still has to, a lot of times he'd have to make a trip uh, to Sherman Williams or to Lowe's. And so many times, anyone who has spent time with children, you know if you have an errand to run, it is so much easier to just go by yourself, right? My dad growing up, so many times it would have been so easy for him to get in the truck, have a moment of peace and quiet to himself, head to the store, in and out, get what he needs and get home. But so many times, instead of doing that, I remember he'd just kind of peek his head in and say, hey, why don't you come with me? Why don't you ride with me? I'm gonna go somewhere fun. You know, when you're a kid, anything is fun, right? It doesn't matter where you go. He'd peek his head in and say, hey, come with me, ride with me, we'll go somewhere fun. And I loved it. And I think a lot of times, I, growing up, had this idea of who God was, and I thought, oh man, when I first got a job, had that automatic withdrawal set up for my tithe, I was like, don't want to miss a tithe, God's not going to bless me if I miss a tithe. And I almost had this idea of God as this greedy God that had to have my money. But the truth is, and this is for all of us, not just those who have the motivational gift of giving. This is for all of us. Our Father is not a greedy God. He is a loving Father that just wants to poke his head in and say, hey, I'm inviting you 
to be a part of this, that giving is such an incredible gift, more blessed to give than to receive. It's such an incredible gift to the giver that God says, hey, I want you to come with me. What I'm doing and where I'm going is so much better than what you can do by yourself. So I want you, I invite you to come with me. And that's for all of us. We're all called to be givers. And that's our, our first point up here. We are all called to give, but people with the motivational gift of giving are called to give above and beyond. The motivational gift of giving begins where tithing ends. So we know we're all, every single one of us as believers, we're all called to give our first 10% back to God. It was his anyway, right? So we're just giving it back. We're all called to be givers. But those of us with this motivational gift, and just as a side note, if this is your first time here, or maybe you've missed a couple weeks because of summer, maybe you've been out of town, there's a test on our website, church2911.com test. You can actually take a motivational gifts test and see where you're most gifted, where your motivational gift is. And so for those of you, if your motivational gift is giving, you are called to give above and beyond the tithe. Your giving starts where tithing ends. People with this motivational gift, this is where your giving starts. And really quick, I just want to say a quick prayer, and then we're really going to jump in. Let's just invite, man, isn't God's presence awesome? I feel like we've already had an awesome morning. So let's pray really quick. God, thank you for choosing me. God, thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, right now, I just want to pray over every heart and mind that they would be softened, God, that they would be open, and that they would be ready to experience your message. God, I can't communicate to every person in this room, but you can, Father. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would go before me, God, and help us to be receptive and open to the incredible gift of generosity and the incredible gift of giving. Amen. Amen. So if you are a giver, let's look up here. I really want to kind of set the, the stage and kind of define if you are a giver, you have the spirit-given capacity. That's the next slide. If you're a giver, you have the spirit-given capacity and desire to serve by God by giving of your material resources far beyond the tithe to further the work of God. You, givers, you are some of the people who help meet the financial needs of fellow Christians and church members. And so, for those who have this motivational gift of giving, it's not just giving on your own, right? Right here, we can see all of the motivational gifts. They are spirit-led gifts. And that's what we really want to dive into today. But before we do that, I do want to share, for anyone, as we talk about giving, I think sometimes we can get to a place where we really check out when we think about how much money is in our bank account. For those of us who have an abundance, for those who God has blessed you with a rich abundance, with, with incredible financial blessings, thank God for you. And I, I pray continued blessings, and I pray that you are already using your finances to further the work of the kingdom, to be a generous giver. But for the majority of us, for everyday people, for people who maybe live paycheck to paycheck or who aren't just overflowing with cash, right? This is not the time to check out because we might think that this dream of generosity, this message of generosity is just for those that have a great abundance. 
But you don't have to wait to become a giver, to be a generous giver even. You can start today, right where you are, being a good steward of what God's given you. So last week, Pastor Rick shared some of the strengths and weaknesses of people with the gift of prophecy. We're going to do the same thing with giving. So let's look at some of the strengths of people with the motivational gift of giving. First thing is they give, if this is your gift, you give with a happy heart and you love to be generous. Isn't it nice to give? Doesn't it make you feel good to give? Giving with a happy heart. It's a joyful thing to be able to give. Givers, their giving inspires others. They're not, they don't show off. They're not boastful. They don't brag. But their giving is so joyful that it makes other people want to be like them. It makes other people want to give. And givers steward their finances strategically. Not to be confused with the gifts of mercy or helping. And I want to expand on this just a little bit. So people who have the gift of giving, they steward their finances strategically. When Pastor Rick first asked me, back before the summer, he asked me if I would speak and share a message this summer with you guys. And I was so excited, and I was looking through the motivational gifts and praying over them, and I, I saw giving. I was like, man, I love generosity. It's going to be so easy. Like, that's definitely my motivational gift. Got that one in the bag, no problem. He was like, you're the rookie, so you pick first. So that's the one that I picked. And so then when we started this series and we took our motivational gifts test, lo and behold, I scored highest in mercy, but definitely not giving. I think sometimes we can confuse the desire to give, the desire to be merciful, and the desire to be helpful with the desire to give. Something unique about givers is, is that they are extremely strategic with their giving. They don't just give willy-nilly. I, I love, if you need help, what can I do? What can I get you? Let me get you this. Let me get you that. Sometimes it's not all that helpful. But people with this gift of giving, they love to be strategic and thoughtful. They love to depend on the Holy Spirit to really teach them and help them know where to give their gifts. So lots of amazing things about givers, but wouldn't be fair just to lift you guys up, right? We got to keep you humble. So some weaknesses of givers, one that I really want to touch on today. Sometimes givers can expect control when their money is involved instead of trusting those God has appointed to lead. And isn't that true? When we start talking about money, when we start putting money in, we start inching closer and wanting a little more control, right? So sometimes people with this gift of giving, once you start investing, once you're bought in, you can start wanting to, to take control instead of trusting God to do what it is that he needs to do. And when I think about someone in the Bible who had a really hard time with control, I think about King Asa. And we're going to look at King Asa's story but really quickly, this is in Second Chronicles, but before we do that, I want to kind of set up his story for you. So King Asa was a, the king of Judah, and this is in the Old Testament. So this is way back when. He's the king of Judah. His dad was king. His dad passed away, and so King Asa stepped into power. And when he did, the Bible says that he lived in peace. His nation, the nation of Judah, lived in peace for 10 whole years. The first 10 years 
of his nation that he was king, they lived in perfect peace. No disease, no war, no sickness, no famine. They lived in peace. And because of that, in those 10 years, King Asa said, hey, why don't we, we're living in peace. God is blessing us abundantly. Why don't we take this time, this time of quiet and peace, and go ahead and build up our army. We're going to fortify our city. And so that's what they did. And 10 years in, of course, there has to be a little drama in the story. So 10 years in, the Cushites, another group of people, they came in and they tried to attempt the nation of Judah, where Asa was king. And so Asa, being a man who, the Bible says he was wholeheartedly devoted to God, being a man who has lived in peace and following the Lord and trusting the Lord, the Cushites try to invade. And this is what Asa says. It's not on the screen, but... Asa cried out to God and he said, There is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. So Asa, he's king. He has all these resources, but he goes to God. The Cushites are coming in and he says, You know what, God? We rely on you. So you, we're asking you to help us. And you know what happened? God struck the Cushites down. The, the people of Asa's nation, nobody got touched, nothing happened, they were perfectly safe. And not only did the Cushites lose this battle, but everything they had, their livestock, their animals, their silver, their gold, King Asa's nation brought that in. They were able to take that in. So because Asa trusted in God, man, were they blessed with more resources than they'd ever had before. So Asa was living in even more so a land of peace and plenty. And during that time, a man named Azariah came and he spoke a prophetic word to Asa. We just talked last week about the gift of prophecy. This is a prophetic word, which really, like Pastor Rick said, is just a word of truth from God. And this is what he said. It's in 2 Chronicles 15. The Spirit of God came on Azariah. This is the prophet. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the whole country, everybody listen up. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. That's a word of warning, right? Azariah is saying, Asa, just keep trusting God. Keep relying on God. Keep keeping your mind set on him and he's going to stick with you. Stick with him and he'll stick with you. And so from then on, for years, Asa went and he was just, I mean, faith rose when he got that word of prophecy. He went into his nation and he was tearing idols down. He was making sacrifices to God out of the plenty that they got from the Cushites. He was fully dedicated to God. And we're going to read in a couple verses down in verses 17 through 19. It says, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of God the silver and gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. So he took what he had and he said, God, this is yours. You've been so faithful. This is yours, God. And there was no more war, peace, prosperity, no war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. And it was during that time, and there's a lot of politics involved, so I'm going to try and move through this pretty quick. But it was during that time, remember, Asa, he's, he's seen what God can do when you trust him. He's gotten this word of prophecy to keep relying on God. But what happens? Next, the king of Israel, 
King Basha, they were, their countries were rivals, Judah and Israel. And so all of a sudden, Asa's living in peace, prosperity, things are good. And all of a sudden, he looks over and he realizes that the nation of Israel, their rival, they're building this fort to attack Judah. That's going to be the purpose of this. And so Asa, he starts to get really nervous because he sees that not only is their peace threatened, but their economy is threatened as well. And so he got a little nervous about his external circumstances. Come on, have you ever been there in a place where it's easy to trust God when things are going good? But when external circumstances start to look a little iffy, when you get a little nervous, that's when it's, you're prone to want to take things into your own hands. And so that's exactly what happened. Asa, the story goes on, and King Asa the man that had this awesome word of prophecy, his legacy. You know, people talk about David being a man after God's own heart, but what about King Asa? He was a man wholeheartedly devoted to God. What a legacy. His people lived for years in peace and prosperity, but circumstances started to look bleak on the outside, and so he took matters into his own hands, and this is what he did. All that money, all that excess, all that plenty they had, So Israel was trying to attack, but there was another nation that was in alliance with Israel. Remember, King Asa is the king of Judah. Israel's going to attack. So there's this other nation that's in an alliance with Israel, the nation that plans to attack. And so Asa takes all of his money, and he goes to this king in an alliance with Israel, and he says, listen, he bribes him. He says, listen, I'm going to give you this money if you break your alliance. So he takes his resources, he takes matters into his own hands, and he gives it to this king. And you know what? It actually worked. That's our next point. Asa's plan was successful, but it wasn't God's way. You know, a lot of times I think we get to this place where money can do a lot for us, right? Money talks. Money can get us into a lot of rooms, and it can get us out of a lot of bad situations. And I think about in life, with our money, when things start to look bleak on the outside, maybe, maybe your kids are going through a really rough time. Hey, it's real easy to go buy them that new game to cheer them up. When, when your spouse, when you've been going through a really hard time, it's easy to go to the store and buy a new pair of diamond earrings. When your family, when there's distance among you, it's easy to book a trip to the beach. Even... With ministry, it's easy to take money and buy a new building. Money can, can fund a lot of missions, trips, and outreach programs, but the problem is when we stop relying on God. Our money can take us places, but sometimes it's not God's way. So Asa has this really tragic story where I think it's one of the saddest in the Bible. He was this incredible king, and all of a sudden, you know how he died? He got a disease in his feet, and his, his heart was so turned from the generosity of God that people said, Asa, why don't, you, why don't you ask God to help? And he said, no, take this money, bring physicians in, I'll have them help me instead. And he died. No, the man with a legacy of wholehearted giving died no, with no legacy, no generosity in his heart. I think Asa's greatest failure as a leader was missing what God could have done with his life if he had trusted God with his resources. And I think for us, 
man, what a good warning. What a warning to heed. We all have been called to this gift of giving. But if you have the gift of motivational giving to go above and beyond, God wants to use your resources. But we have to rely, and that's how all these motivational gifts work. We have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us in our motivational gifts. If we aren't trusting God to lead us in giving, we will miss what God wants to do in our lives. And what did he want to give Asa? Azariah said, if you stay close to him, he's going to stay close to you. God wanted to give peace and prosperity. And God wants to give the same to you. He wants peace and prosperity. He wants us to be a generous people. There's an amazing story of generosity that I want to share really quickly. It's from John Tyson. He's the pastor of the Church of the City in New York. And he tells a story of back in the, some of you might not be old enough to remember in this room, but for those who are, back in 2008 when the housing market crashed, he tells a story that his church, they had planted four churches in four years in New York City. So they were growing really rapidly, and they were actually at a place where their giving, I'm sorry, their growth had outpaced their giving. So they had more people attending than they had people actually giving. And then, of course, the economy crashes. They're in New York City. The housing market is flipped upside down. People are in distress and despair. And John Tyson comes. He brings all of his leaders, their pastors, their, their teachers, their leaders into a room. And he said, listen, guys, I don't know what we're going to do, but let's just pray. Let's just press in and ask God. Let's rely on God and ask him what to do. And so John Tyson goes on to say that they began praying and a man, one of their leaders in the church, he came up and he said, they're all around a table, and he said, God has given me a prophetic word for our church during this time. And so in a very dramatic fashion, he pulls out his wallet and he walks up to the table and he takes out every dollar bill he had in his wallet and he laid it on the table. And this is what he said. Should be the next slide. Maybe we don't have that. I'll read it to you. He said, if you seek me and if you trust me, this is the prophetic word from God. If you seek me and if you trust me, you will live in an alternative economy than the economy of New York City. You will have access to the resources of heaven and you will not be limited to the resources of this city. Man, what an amazing word from God. And John Tyson said, faith just rose in the room, and there was just an overwhelming sense of generosity among their people. And he said that over the next few years, that the economy around them was crashing, but it was truly like their church did not experience the economic crash that the world was experiencing. They were living truly in an, a totally different economic economy, the economy of heaven instead of the economy of earth. And now he said, there were people in the church that had needs. Don't, don't get me wrong. People had needs. But because there was so much generosity, an outpouring of generosity in their church, there was so much faith in what God could do with their resources that there was not a single needy person in their church. People might have been experiencing hard times, but there was so much generosity that people gave and gave until there wasn't a single needy person left. And that's what God wants for us. Those of us who are called and have the motivational gift of giving, God wants us to give above 
and beyond and to live a life of generosity, an outpouring of generosity that changes the lives of the people around us. Remember, he's like a father that, I think about my dad, he could have done, he could have made those trips to Lowe's and Sherwin-Williams by himself. He didn't need a six-year-old girl trying to tote a five-gallon bucket of paint around. He didn't need me, but he wanted me. He invited me, and God invites us in to this gift of generosity. I want to look at one more passage of scripture before we wrap up. This is in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. This is Paul writing a letter to the church of Corinth, and they were a little discouraged with giving. And Paul actually wants to tell a story of what's happening in the church of Macedonia. And this is the message version, so it's a little long, but just read with me. This is what Paul's saying to the church. Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. They had so much generosity in their hearts. They were begging, who can we help next? What can we do? They were begging for the opportunity to give. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it, this is the key, was that they had first given themselves unreservedly or, or wholeheartedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.